This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I ask that you speak through me and give to your people what they need here today. Lord, as we bring this series to a close, Lord, I just pray that we would be inspired to be people of passion, people of uh, not full of apathy or uh, a passivity towards you spiritually, that we would be, in a sense, aggressive in our faith to know you, to grow ourselves, to study, to show ourselves approved as your sons and daughters. I bless each person here today, and I just thank you for them and those in our listening audience and those online. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So this is the 10th week in our series, and we can kind of bring this to a conclusion. I think you've got a saturation point with what we've been sharing, but I've had some good feedback. And so um, our 10th week in our series, and we're talking about spiritual apathy I subtitled this Drifting. We're just kind of continuing. Revelation 2.4. Revelation 2.4 has been our text. Jesus is speaking. He said, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And I'm going to spend a lot of time for the sake of time because we have communion here in a moment. But this has been our text. We've been talking about that, that Jesus is concerned. And we mentioned last week about Revelation truth being lost, that after 28 years, Jesus has to address the church and said, what happened? What happened? How many of you know that even in marriage, come on now, that things can drift if you don't maintain them? That was a good time, men, to say amen. Amen. The wives are going, <laughs> yes, things can drift. You got to be proactive in your relationship, right? Right on? And, and so, and sometimes it, it may seem unsexy, but you got to schedule things. Amen? You got to schedule time out together. You know, you got things to do. And, and see, when you're empty nesters, just that doesn't mean also that you have all this time, even though you'd be together. You still have to schedule things. Amen? Amen. Are you awake this morning? All right. So, so we said this last week, uh, spiritual truth can be lost. And I, I made this, and I was kind of strong on this point, based upon Acts 13, 36. Kind of just kind of did a little bunny trail. It said, now David, after he had served God's purposes in his own generation, died, was buried with his ancestors. And we, we talked about a couple of translations of that after David, watch this, doing God's will by serving. Somebody shout serving. serving. Serving the people of his time. Then another translation said, David in his own generation ministered. Somebody shout minister. Minister to the will of God. In other words, God, what do you want for my life now that I'm alive? For David, after having been useful to his own generation, are you ready for this? Are you useful to God? Can he count on you? Can he look and go, that's my son and daughter, I count on them. Or does he look and go, they're just about their own thing, doing their own thing. Getting up here, planning their schedule. Really, if it, if it really doesn't work to make room for God, no big deal. That's not what God has called us to, amen? And we said this, that we are responsible to continue and further God's purposes in revelation, his word, his, his heart, 
in our generation. Can I get an amen? We're not responsible for what happened 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, but we are responsible now. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. David served the purpose of God in his generation. And so the question is, are you serving the purposes of God in your life now as a family, as an individual? Amen. So then we continued on, and the scripture said in Revelation 2, 6, Jesus says, yet this I have, uh, that, 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 that uh, I uh, approve of what you have. You, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I hate, and we won't get into all that. We talked each, touch a little bit on each week that that doctrine of the Nicolaitans was one of compromise, that it's okay to be in the world, act like the world, and oh, it's time for church right now. Put on the church smile, put on the church clothes, whatever, and now we say the praise of the Lord's hallelujah and shake hands and go back to... Come on now. I mean, God has called us to be consistent in our walk. And listen, if you blow it, and which you will out there in front of your heathen friends, do you know what? That's okay. They are watching you. They are watching you. And so you just, you just say, you know what? I made a mistake. It's amazing how the world will test you in situations. What I mean by that is other people, they'll test when you make mention of your faith or something like that. They'll, they'll test you and they'll, circumstances will come up or situations that could create compromise. And you make a decision to go, you know what? No, uh, this didn't happen. That happened. I'm walking circumspect here. Whatever it is, they watch that. Why? Because they want to see if you're the real deal. Are you just a casual Christian are you one that's, that's uh, serious about your faith with the Lord? Amen? We need that. And so um, the Bible says in Hebrews 2.1, and this just started for these last few weeks. He said this. Uh, okay, there's, there's Revelation 2.6. There we go. All right, move right on. Hebrews 2.1. We must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift. Somebody shall drift. And we talked about that, that uh, drifting, uh, being uh, drifting uh, from the things of God. You know, let me just say this. I wrote this down. I didn't share from the last point. Beware of professed Christians who pushed you, who push you into compromise. I said Christians, not heathen. And there are some quote unquote Christians will try to drive you and say, it's all right. It's no big deal. Lighten up, loosen up. But inside, you have a conviction. Come on now. And then inside, you have, you have a direction. It's like, you know, I really don't. But they push you in that. Beware of that. Didn't Jesus say something about that? That about uh, someone that leads a little child astray? It'd be better that a millstone tied around her neck. Remember that one? Drowned to the sea. It's a horrible picture. But you don't want to be that type of person that leads innocent people astray. Can I get an Amen. And so quickly here, uh, we hit on all of these these last few weeks. How do people drift? Drifting Christians, we talked about an out-of-control schedule. Bible says in Ephesians, we are to redeem the time to buy that back because the days of evil, misplaced affections. Bible says in 1 John, don't love the world. So I, I, you know, the world, it's exciting. There's things you can do. And, and, and there's so many things that Satan puts out there. And how do I say it this way? Maybe I won't even say Satan. They're just out there that they're not bad things, but they can cause you to compromise in your walk. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, it's not wrong to travel. If you're retired and you, you like to travel and see things, that's great. But if that's what your whole life consists of and your whole you know, existence now, something's awry. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Misplace affections. 
And so we talked about being watchful not to set our hearts on things that really don't matter. We talked about discouragement. The Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians, light momentary affliction. I try, I try to remind myself of that when I'm in the midst of something that's difficult, that's challenging. Amen? When I, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, you know, in ministry, it's like sometimes you hear the crickets in the morning you know, or at night. You, you know what I mean? Like there's, okay, the phone's not ringing. Nothing's happening today. And the next day, it seems like a tsunami hits. I mean, that's just like I admit it. And, and you don't have just one thing. You have two, three, four, five, six things all at once, and you're... It seems like there's something, an angel or something, heaven rings a bell and says, send it to them, you know? I, I, I don't know. But, but that, that's just, you know, and so we can, we can get discouraged in the midst of things where we're sensing this affliction, and, and, but, but I have to take a perspective and say, you know what, in light of eternity, I got a God, he loves us, and we're moving forward with him, and I trust him, and the worst that can happen is I die. Because then I get promoted, and I go to heaven, Amen. And hallelujah, somebody go, ah. Someone once said, life is like being at the dentist. You always think the worst is still yet to come, yet it is over already. Isn't that right? You hear that drill? Abundance. We hit this last week, 1 Timothy 6.10, and we said that the you know, Bible talks about the love of money. We've heard it's not money itself. It's neutral, but the love of it. But it does say this. It said, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it. How do people just, they don't walk around saying long for it. They orchestrate their whole life around, you know what? I didn't have any money as a kid. My parents were poor. So I'm going to, and then they go after it wholeheartedly. And, and sometimes they, they, you know, they choose not to get married. They choose to have a professional life and they choose it. But, but there's nothing wrong with those things. But when money is the center of your life, you're going to have some issues. Amen? amen? Amen. That was a weak amen on that one. And we said this, people of abundance can often choose recreation over worship, and um, we don't, we don't want to be those people. Now, on a positive note here, we're speaking about abundance and how God can turn things around. You know, we are blessed in America. You are blessed. To live in America, we are blessed people. We really are, because it truly now still is the land of opportunity. I mean, you know, I know of many cultures and nations that have come and started when my dad, uh, he had apartment complexes in Brockton, Mass., where I grew up in New England. And uh, Brockton's a pretty, pretty rough area now. But as kids growing up, it was a lot of uh, blue-collar and, and, uh, and hardworking people. And uh, what happened was is there was, my, in, my dad owned these apartment complexes and there was a six family, but they were large apartments. And then there was a, like a 12 family or something that he had. It was in the worst section of Brockton. I mean, like when you drive, and, and they were dilapidated. And so my job, because he had eight kids, and I mean, you know, when th that generation, all those kids, put them to work, you know. And so I would crawl in the furnaces and clean them out. And, and, so, and so we had a lot of these precious Vietnamese people that came from Saigon. And my dad said, yeah, well, they're all renting. And they pay right on time each month. It was amazing. They paid their rent. So he said, go up to this one apartment and uh, they have a clogged sink. And so I'm just a kid and go up there and uh, it, it clogged sink. And, and I open the door and they smile. They got all gold teeth. You know, hi, 
You know, you want some tea? And, and they want you to have tea. And I'm like, there's like five generations here. There's like 14 people in this apartment. And I was like, Dad, don't worry about it. They pay their rent on time. <laughs> you know, they can stay. And I remember one time the sinks clog, I pulled a stake out and they had a clam down there. I said, you can't throw the clams down. The, ah, it's, like, it's not like it's just a whale. It eats everything, you know. You can't. And so, and so, so they, but, but before long, they were out of those apartments. They were driving new cars and they were hardworking people and they were blessed. America truly is a land of abundance. Can you say amen? And you know, here's one thing. I heard this story. And I just thought, you know what? What the enemy means for evil, God can turn around for good. We're talking about abundance there. It's not a negative thing. Um, <clears throat> how many of you know God can take a terrible past and a difficult past, and only he can turn that around. And, and I'm going to give you an illustration right now, a story. Some of you know who this is. This is Pastor Bill Wilson of Metro World Child Center in, in, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, in 1980, he started this ministry in Bushwick, Brooklyn, in what was one of New York's toughest neighborhoods at the time. But here's the thing about Pastor Bill. He was abandoned as a 12-year-old boy by his mom. They were in Lakeland, Florida, walking uh, along, and she walked through a park, and she just threw her hands up and said, I can't do this anymore. She's a drug addict, and she's an alcoholic, and she said, wait here. And so as 12-year-old boy, he sat on the bench. She walked away and never returned. That's his, his mom. His dad was killed from something. I don't know what the story was. And so he waited for three days. And here's the thing I thought was important. I thought, there's a message in this. For three days, he waited to, he calls him an average Joe. Do you know what an average Joe is? I did a triathlon in Perm a couple of years called Average Joe. It was my favorite shirt. I walk around, just an average Joe. I like that shirt. And uh, I got one of the original black ones. It was really cool. It's destroyed now. Um, but average Joe walks by a Christian man and he sees this kid for two days, and then on the third day, he's like, something's up here. So he just walked up to him, he put his arm around him, he said, you doing all right, son? And, and he goes, well, he started to stutter. He didn't even know how to explain. My mom left me, and he just, uh, and so, but he was a man that saw beyond his own pain. His own son was dying of leukemia, and soon died after that. And so he just took, he saw beyond his own pain, reached out and go, because what happens to us? We get tunnel vision. Come on now. My situation, it's so serious. I need this. I need that. I need a job. I need better this and this illness, that. The kids are driving me, and we don't see beyond our pain. And then those moments in your pain is where God shows up the greatest. And so through this man, he reached out, put his arm around me, said, son, what can we do to help? He goes, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in three days. And so he feeds him, and then he scrambles to get $17 and sends him to a camp for a Bible, a, a, a kid's camp for him for a week. In that kid's camp, he gets saved and filled with the Spirit of God. And he actually, it's a, he shares a testimony. He says, I lived in a church for three years. And he said, how do you live in a church for three years? He said, there was, a, there was a custodian closet, and there was a little area back there. And so the pastor said, well, I don't have a room or anything, but you can stay back there. And so he lived in the custodian closet, set out a little map for three years. He slept on the floor, but he did everything in the church. Wow. This same, you think he would have had reason to have been angry as a kid? Come on now. He, it's amazing, 
220,000 kids show up to his Sunday school every week. 220,000. He has, he started bus ministry. You know, we've heard about Tommy Barnett in Phoenix first and how that church grew from bus ministry. This guy started it. He was the one. Why? And they said, why do you keep doing it? He still drives the buses today. They have hundreds of them in Brooklyn, that area. Why? He says, every time I open the door, I see me I'm picking up. Wow. Only God can do that. Amen. He's a passionate man of God. He's been stabbed, thrown over a roof. He was shot a few years ago by a Russian sniper in the shoulder in Syria. Uh, he's personally witnessed 28 people killed in front of him. That's a serious life, and he's passionate about the Lord. What am I trying to say? Only God can turn something negative like that around to something positive. Amen. They minister in the Philippines, and he was sharing about how they have hundreds of kids that come out, and it's in a cemetery. And they have Sunday school in the cemetery. You think, okay, that's kind of creepy. He says, no, that's where they live. Squatters, thousands of them living in a cemetery. You know, I said this before. There really isn't, just if you can, if you can absorb this statement, there is really no specific mysterious call to ministry. The need is the call. Someone once said, big doors open on small hinges. And I said this a few times the last few weeks. It's not really what you and I accomplish in life, what matters. It's what we put in motion. This man put a lot in motion. You know, uh, I shared before uh, about Peter Mill, a missionary. And we've been to Ukraine many times, 13 times in over 12 years. And, and uh, he's passed away. We're coming up on his second year uh, home going to the Lord. And I thought about what Pete put in motion. And, and at the time when it happened, I just thought, 61 years old, this guy was doing strength feats. And he was going to villages and prison. He'd been to every single prison in Ukraine and, and uh, Bible schools. I was part of the Bible schools, new church plants. I mean, just listen to him. My mind just got expanded. How many have been around someone like that? There's just a visionary. My mind was just like, wow, Pete. I mean, he, he, there's just, he's going, going, going. And then he dies. I didn't get it. I just, I struggled with it. It's like, I don't understand. I mean, there's probably some people I wish would not on earth, evil people. Come on now, vicious people. But Pete, I mean, he was about God's kingdom. And, and the Lord just told me in my heart, just gave me this peace saying, you know what? The ministry is still going on, and it is. And they're expanding more in Romania, and they're expanding more with mobile teams. Incidentally, we as a church just sent $2,500. They needed some vans over there, and we helped get them some vans. I traveled in those vans, and some of the old vans. One of them I called the VeggieTail van, because it was like four colors of green, yellow, and orange, whatever. But it was just a box-type van, cold. So I had a wool coat, and we would drive sometimes all night to some little village in the middle of nowhere, 2 a.m., and we'd show up, and there's 50 people been waiting waiting for the Americans to come to give, share the word of God. Unbelievable. But what am I trying to say? It's in motion. It's in motion. You know what? God has things for your life to set in motion. Amen? And so, so, so even though we may look at it as, okay, Pete is gone. You know, he was a successful businessman in Fargo and had an asbestos company, and he did a number of things, but he, he walked away from all of that. And I'm not saying that that's what you are to do, but what Pete did is he was wholehearted in the things of God. He served the purposes of God in his generation and died. And you know what? It's continuing on. Amen? I would love that. I would love to see harvest continue on after I'm gone. 
Amen? So your children's 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 children, if the Lord would tarry. Some of you think he's coming any moment. We still have about 3 billion people have not heard the gospel, and more people keep getting born. Amen? All right. Spent a, a lot of time on that. My point was abundance is a blessing, but it can be a deterrent and to your true purpose. All right. Finally, number five. Parasitic sins. Hebrews 12, 1. He said, what is that? Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What do we mean by parasitic? It means scrounging, life-sucking sins. You know what? If you do wrong, you feel wrong. If you do right, you feel right. Isn't that right? And so, you know what I find sometimes as you grow in the Lord, sometimes those addicting things that keep drawing you down, bringing you down, you're going to come to a head. And here's where it's going to come to. Do I just want to continue to be on that tippy seesaw back and forth condemnation thing or just want to just not be involved in that? Amen? Whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is. And you come to that. And that but, but, but these people, they, they drift from God and they, 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 they are, they, apathy sends in, sets in spiritually because there's sins in their lives. And they feel guilt when they come to church. So why go to church? I feel guilty. I'm just a wicked person, you know. And if anyone knew what I was involved in this last week or year or whatever, or, or what I've done, I've been holding something in my heart. No, nobody knows. Wow. And so they feel reluctant to pray. Now i got to read your Bible. Avoidance. We avoid these things. Where at one time you were hungry for the things of God and you, you allow this condemnation to come in and, and, <clears throat> and you know you have these issues in your life. And there's a ton of just nasty YouTube videos that are out there just repulsive about people when they post their ailments. Like, come on, we don't want to see that. And, but then there's like 10 million views. I'm like, people are crazy. Amen? And, well, it's so same with our own lives when we, we, we have sin in our life. And that sin that, that is unrepented of, hear me, watch this, it damages us like parasites in our body. Come on now. It's like parasites in our body. And those sins will almost certainly affect your walk with the Lord. Now, here's the thing. The key point is, it, the solution is not to run from God, but to run to God. Let's say that again. Some people, they run away from God because of the guilt and condemnation. I can't break this habit, whether it's alcohol, whether it's smoking, or whether these are all just outward things, sexual promiscuity, whatever, lying, cheating, what, I don't know, stealing, cursing, and unfaithfulness, you just fill in the blank. And so we hide, we're guilty, and we avoid church, where the truth of the matter is, is we need to run to God. And we need to come to church and be around brothers and sisters. And we need to get connected because you know what? You know what? Because why? We're all filthy, rotten sinners, but we're saved by grace. Amen? But we don't have to remain all filthy, rotten sinners. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Amen? That's who we are. And so the church isn't a place to come when you're all perfect and you got everything in order and you got your life in order. No, the church is a place for broken people to come and be healed. That's what it's for. No one's pointing a finger at judgment. Well, I don't know, you know, well. No, it's there for you. Come on, how can we help you? How can we come alongside you? We all blow up, we all make mistakes. And so we are to run to God, run to God. You know, we have a forgiving God. I said, we have a, you have a forgiving God. 
Do not allow the spirit. I don't know why, but I just feel strong in this. The spirit of condemnation and guilt, excessive guilt. I mean, how many know conviction is from God? Amen. And so, so when we feel convicted, we can feel that inside. But let's, God's warning sign saying, hey, do something about this. Don't go. Don't, don't, don't. We can ignore that. We've done it before. Amen. And, you know, we fall flat on our face. But listen, if you fall, fall forward. Amen. Get back up. Amen. And you'll still be six foot one. Amen. I am shrinking in my height. I don't want to admit it. But 1 John 1, 9, the key is to confess your sin to God and he will restore you and he will make you whole again. Watch this. Pride, watch this. Pride says you're too bad to be forgiven. That is a spirit of pride. Oh, he could, he, you know, I am, no, I've screwed up so bad, Pastor, if you know. Oh, that's a spirit of pride. In other words, you're elevating your sin higher than the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus, even on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. People that hated him, he forgave. These were people that were crucifying him, pounding stakes in, in that pain and his side being cut and hosted up there and, and, and that weight of his body and just the horror of all that. He Lay not this sin against them. I don't think you're that kind of person there. Just think about that. Them there that crucified our Lord. Dear God, we have a forgiving God. The Bible talks about the word repentance. It's metanoia in the Greek. Repentance is a good word, not a bad word. Amen? And sometimes, we, you know, we heard the repent. <laughs> and shrilled with Repent. Well, it's true, but repentance actually means this simply in the Greek. Change your mind. Change your mind. Ch- change the way you're doing things. Just, just change your mind. Now, that doesn't sound so bad right now. Oh, I just got to change my mind. You need help changing your mind. Amen? That's we need the washing, the water of the word that purifies our mind. And so the term suggests rejection of your old ways and a change of mind to the new. God's ways. That's what it means to repent. Change your mind. So in conclusion... Let me just say this. How did Jesus measure our maturity? Talking about spiritual apathy and drifting and growing up in the Lord. Jesus measured maturity by a person's obedience, not knowledge. Hmm. I want you to think about that. We are, as a staff, kind of winding down on a book we've read. It's a very good book. Uh, Steve Moore uh, wrote it. It's titled, uh, The Top Ten Leadership Conversations in the Bible. And he said, a Jesus follower, watch this. A Jesus follower with limited knowledge that is matched by obedience is more mature than the person with lots of knowledge but little obedience. Listen, I I used to do street witnessing in Dallas. Uh, I was over the street evangelism for one summer and served in the street outreach ministry. That's where I built that 10-foot cross and from Fort Worth and all the way across to Dallas. And we go out in the streets and share the gospel. I met all kinds of people, all kinds of people. But I remember... One guy in particular, uh, and I began to share with him, and this guy started, watch this, quoting whole chapters of the Bible. And I just stood there, I'm like, I have nothing to say. I mean, this guy, and he knew the Bible, he memorized it, and I said, what good has that word done for you? You're here on the street. And I got to his heart, and it's like, why? He's like, I'm mad. This is what the world did to me. And, and so his heart, and so we prayed with him, and, and, and he was ministered to. But you know, you can have a lot of knowledge of the Bible. And then that's kind of big up here. You know, if you're going to be a man of God, then you have to means you have to know more than someone else in Bible knowledge. Not necessarily. Amen? 
Thank God for his word. We're all growing at different levels, right? Amen? It's the heart, out of the heart. Uh, he goes on to say, he makes this statement. He says this, see more. He says, when the gap between knowledge and obedience is small, faith and spiritual power become great. When the gap between knowledge and obedience is large, faith and spiritual power remain small. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. That's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, that it is possible, watch this, to have a form of godliness with no power. It's a facade. <clears throat> and so I want you just to ponder this, these few questions. So how have you done in your journey with God over the past year or past few months? Have you drifted? Has spiritual apathy set in? And you, you immediately, it doesn't take a, a, a brain surgeon to figure that out. You know, you know what? There was a time eight years ago, I was really on fire for God, and life happens, Pastor, you know, and this happened with my son or my daughter, and I thought this would turn out this way, and I, I thought my wife or I thought my husband would be more, you know, whatever. Has spiritual apathy set in, and you're just drifting along? You're disconnected, drifting along, just letting the current take you whatever which way it is standing up for anything drifting along in your walk with the Lord I just want to encourage you this is a great day to return return to the Lord Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this he's a German minister he said let the person who cannot be alone beware of church let the person who is not in church beware of being alone what's the point of that he's hitting this issue about you having a personal relationship with the Lord and you developing intimacy with God. What is God looking for? Is he looking for more stuff for you to do spiritually? No. The ministry we do is an outgrowth of our love for him. That's what it is. I serve. You should serve in church, not because, well, I just want other people to know that I serve and, I, you know, so they can tap me on the back. No, we serve because we love God. We serve because we're grateful for what he did in our life. I'm just thankful that he saved me and delivered me and, 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 and he's continually, he hasn't given up on me. Amen? Friends, it's time to stop the drifting, the spiritual apathy. Come back to God. Let's lay down our arguments, our offenses, excuses. Let's be a people that returns to the Lord. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray here. I'm going to have communion in a moment. But with every head bowed and you hear this morning, as a pastor, I, I'm drifting. I'm drifting. Outwardly, people would not know it, but I'm drifting. And I'm sure it's not going to respond by a show of hand or anything. I'll let anyone know because I wouldn't want to let that cat out of the bag. But I am not doing good, pastor. And I need to get right with God. You hear this morning, this is a great day to do that. The Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day. Let's put a cease and desist order on spiritual apathy in our life. If that's you, you say, blessed to pray for me. You're going to renew your relationship with the Lord. And maybe you've never really totally surrendered your life to Christ. This is a great day to do that. If that's you, let's pray together as we pray corporately. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for saving me and washing me clean for all sin. 
in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I just thank you right now that you, your spirit is coming upon your people. Lord, that they would just sense your presence, Lord, even now. That ability to shake free from that apathy, that, that we wouldn't just wait till we get around to it, that we would, we would, this would be a defining moment, even here this morning, for each and every one of us. That we leave here with a challenge to draw near to you. Your word says in Hosea 6, 6, what is God looking for? He says, for I desire and delight in dutiful, steadfast love. Did you see that? Love, not being on a religious treadmill. In goodness. I desire and delight not in sacrifice and in the knowledge of and acquaintance with God. More than burnt offerings. What is God saying? He's saying, I want to know you. I want to spend time with you. I'm here for you. I want you to spend time with me. That's what it's about. That's what God is after. He's after that intimacy. I don't know what that looks like for each and every one of you, but I do know this. Jesus was an early bird. He got up in the morning. He may have ministered a long time, laid hands on people, prayed for people, but he would separate himself and he would get up. For me, I got to get up in the morning and do it. I enjoy that. Have my cup of coffee and just sit there and read God's word. Seek. <clears throat> Redevelop myself spiritually. Come on, hummy with me. And some of you have just been letting that life slip by you, letting life slip by you. And I want to encourage you to get back in the game. This is even for young people too. Young people, you can you can read the Bible. You can read a book on spiritual growth. You can develop yourself even as a young child. You have to wait till you get an adult. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.